In Ephesians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul tells the church there that he has been praying for them. And I've been allocated this prayer to share with you this morning. And I couldn't be happier. I just love this piece of Paul's writing. The Ephesian congregation at that time was a growing, active, enthusiastic, loving group full of faith. They dipped a bit later on and we read about that in Revelation chapter 2 but that's the way it was at the time Paul was writing to them. And Paul commends them in chapter 1 saying, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. In chapter 1, and it was dealt with by one of those two gents, it was dealt with by Craig, who's just scratched his head to tell me that. Chapter 1, he tells them some of the things he prays for them. Here are some of the things he prays for them as listed in chapter 1. That God would give each of them a spirit of wisdom and revelation, revealing. He prays that each may know him better. That's know God, know Jesus better. He prays that the eyes of their heart may be fully opened to the hope they have as believers. There is an inheritance that awaits awaits every Christian, he tells them. That the power of God is now within them, he tells them. In chapter 3, the bit we're going to look at mostly this morning, he continues in similar vein. And I'm going to read Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. No PowerPoint, but I'd like you to listen to it. And if you're like Terry over there, you want to try and read it in a Bible. Listen to these eight verses carefully. Let them soak in. Let them soak in. And remember, as we go through it, that Paul is not just talking to the Christians in Ephesus, but he's also talking to us Christians at the point in Redlands. And remember too, that it is in fact God speaking to us through the Apostle Paul, as he, Paul, writes to Ephesus. So this message is coming from God, via Paul to the Ephesians, through to the written word, through to Martin who stands here flapping his lips and telling you about it, into your ears and through your ears and into your heart, mind if you want to use that word. So forgive me if I get a bit passionately carried away during my reading. And I just love this prayer. 
It's a fabulous prayer. I have preached it. I have taught it to groups. I've memorised it. And also I've encouraged others to memorise it. And I encourage you to memorise it too. This is what Paul says to these guys at Ephesus. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and earth derives its name. Brackets, the name Christians. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have the power, together with all the saints, to grasp how wide, how long, how deep, And how high is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled to the measure. To the measure with all the fullness of God. Now, according to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Hey, isn't that something? If I ask you to distill, to concentrate, to, to, to take that message that Paul is sending to the Ephesians in these two prayers, particularly this one, what message is he sending? I wonder how you would answer. My answer is that Paul is urging them to build the relationship that they have started with God. Grow the relationship. That's what he is saying. And before we explore some of the details of Paul's prayer a little deeper, I want us also to consider something that Paul writes to the church at Colossae, which expresses similar sentiments to them. And I'm reading from Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, which says this, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. If this is Paul urging them to build their relationship with God and praying to God to help them to do so, then we need to explore this concept of relationship more closely. 
if you don't have a relationship with a person, what do you have? In today's terminology, if you have a relationship with another person, it often refers to a romantic or probably sexual relationship. And in one sense, my relationship with Jesus should be like that. It should involve passion. However, my relationship with Jesus must involve much more than mere passion. If I have a good relationship with any other person, I know that person very well. I know what that person feels. I know what that person will probably say or how that person will probably react in any given situation. I usually know what makes that person happy. I believe I have that relationship with my wife, the gorgeous one sitting there in row three. And in this case, it does have an added romantic and sexual dimension. And our loving relationship is still growing and it's coming up 58 years since I first met that girl. A relationship grows. A relationship grows. A relationship is a growing thing. If a relationship is not growing, it is dying. It's just like a plant. Colossians 2 and verse 7 talks about being rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith. So how does any two-person relationship grow? It grows by listening. It grows by talking and by doing things together. Now the first two of these are pretty obvious from scripture. But the last one is perhaps one that is sometimes neglected by we Christians. My relationship with Sue grew by doing things together. The two main reasons for marriage breakdown today in our Western society are lack of communication and lack of time doing things together. And when you look at today's lifestyle, it seems a fairly obvious outcome. We must talk to each other, we must listen to each other, and we must do things together. I believe, I believe that doing things together really cemented our marriage. I feel I really know Sue well. And I know she knows me well. We went for four years, almost four years, walkabout together in our 20s. We did some amazing things together. And guess what? We became Christians en route. If you're a Christian, you married Christ. In several places in the New Testament, we know, the church is called the Bride of Christ, Jesus being the Bridegroom. 
Look again at Colossians chapter 2 verse 6 that I read. Just as you received Christ as Lord, that is at baptism, when you married him, continue to live in him, overflowing with thankfulness. I'm very thankful that Sue consented to marry me. She's getting embarrassed here, but anyway. I am unbelievably thankful that I submitted to Jesus in baptism. Thank you, Zach. (laughs) Let's now examine some of the phrases and the words used by Paul in these two passages and ask ourselves what they imply for you and me. And also what they imply for our relationship with God. What they imply for building and growing the relationship. Well, the first phrase that's repeated in both these passages is rooted and established in love. That's what both of these passages talk about. It's obviously important. That is what any relationship with Jesus must include. Being rooted and established in love. When you plant a young plant in your garden, I love doing that, you spread its young roots out a bit in the soil and you firm down the soil around the plant and you water it in. That's what happened to me when I was baptised into Christ. I was plant- God planted me in Jesus I was rooted and established in love. Love with a capital L. Jesus is love. God is love. And that is what Paul tells the Ephesians here. He says, you guys are already being rooted and established in love. And I think that would apply to most of us sitting here today. Our roots must be in love. In Christ's love, in agape, in him, God is love. Whoever lives in God, whoever lives in love lives in God and God lives in him. 1 John 4.16 And John goes on to say in verse 17 that in this way love is made complete among us so that in this world we are like him. In this way. In what way, John? Well, by living in love. Love is, in ma- is made complete in us because we are like him. Like who, John? Like God, like Jesus. Each day we become a little bit more like the person with whom we have the relationship. Think about that. My relationship with Sue hasn't caused me to wear a dress or anything yet, but I do become quite like her in, in, in the ways, in her inner ways. Live in Jesus, live in God, live in love, become more like him. Simples. Okay, another phrase that's used here is the power. The power to grasp. So that's, that's chapter 3 verse 18. So what power are we talking about here? What power? Is it his power or my power? 
Well, I think in this context, the answer is both. It is his power, the power of the Holy Spirit, which then becomes my power if I am properly connected to him. As a branch, I am connected to the vine. Drawing the sap of the vine, John chapter 15, he gave his Holy Spirit to me as a gift when I was baptised. I was baptised into his name. I belong to him. I carry his name. C-H-R-I-S-T with an I-N-A-N-S put on it. I am carry his name. I'm married to him. He gave me the Holy Spirit as a seal. That's the word the Bible used. And if you'll allow me to put it like that, as a marriage ring. Another word that's used in this passage is the power to grasp. Grasp. He's saying to these guys, I pray that you will have the power to grasp. What does that mean? Well, in today's language, it means to get a handle on, to fully comprehend, to get a life, to let it sink in what's, where you are and what's happened to you. Jesus came that we should have life and life more abundantly, John 10.10. 10. Jesus came to give us eternal life, John 3.16. Believe it. Believe it. Do you grasp it? Do you have a handle on it? Do you have the power to grasp and to fully understand and to appreciate how wide, how long, how high, how deep is the love of Christ that he has for you, me? Can you feel the love of your Saviour? Some people particularly in the Church of Christ, get uncomfortable when you start talking about feelings. Bleh! You've got to have feelings, otherwise how can you have a relationship? Do you realise how much he loves you? Do you realise what he's done for you? And another expression here is to know this love. It, the scripture says, and Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19 says, and to know this love. And it also adds, that surpasses knowledge. It's an experienced thing. If you know the love, you have a relationship. Then you're living. You have a life. You can be filled to the measure, to the brim. That was supposed to be water, by the way. With all the fullness of God, you can be filled up with God right up to here. Ha! Overflowing with thankfulness. Colossians 2.7 That he has chosen you. Thankfulness that he's chosen you and you have chosen him. And wah, a great relationship. Don't you often long for a really good relationship? A really good friend? Most of us do. A really wonderful, totally trustworthy marriage partner, perhaps. There's no better relationship with a relation than a relationship with Jesus. All the rest will follow. 
Don't worry about the rest. All the rest will be added unto you. We've got to build the relationship. I have to build the relationship. Grow it. Build it. Now, are you sitting there this morning and saying to yourself, I want a relationship like that. Or perhaps you're saying, my relationship with Jesus is not what it should be. I come here every Sunday and I make my phylactery fat and I study lots of scriptures and I know a lot of scriptures, but my my relationship's not what it should be. Or you may be sitting there saying, I do not have a relationship with Jesus at all, but it sounds good. If that is you, in any of those cases, ask yourself the question, how do I get to know someone? And the answer is quite obvious. Get close. Get close to the person. You can't stand afar off. Both people have got to want to Jesus does. Do you want to? Is he attractive? What about his personality? Have you really looked closely at him? Have you thought about what it would be like to be close to him? Are you a bit scared of talking to him? What will you say? Are you a bit nervous about what he will say to you? I remember many of these feelings and thoughts as a tentative teenager on some of my first dates with girls that I really felt strongly about. Here's my personal advice. Take the plunge. Go for it. It is really worth it. And if you're still nervous, please come and talk to me privately. Or if you don't like the idea of talking to me, talk to somebody else who you perceive has a close relationship with Jesus. It would be such a privilege to introduce you to my friend. I can think of nothing I would prefer to do. And back to that question that I hit you with earlier in this little sermon. If you don't have a relationship, what do you have? And once you have received Christ Jesus, Colossians 2 verse 6, continue to live in him. Active stuff, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. I will pray for you. And so will many others here who are able to help you. I'd like you to please pray with me now 
as I pray Paul's prayer. Bearing in mind, please, that I'm also praying for myself. Let's pray. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have the power, together with all the saints, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure with all the fullness of God. And now, according to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.